Chris Naki joins us, the TV radio analyst, Maryland men's basketball. He was just I I, I got to start with this. It, I we know Chris that like all of the maybe not UConn, but the other three teams are certainly a surprise to a point. UConn turned back around from what we saw at the beginning of the season, and we went, oh, they do look like a national title contender again. Out of all of the teams in the Final Four, who's the biggest surprise to you? Uh, I'd say Florida Atlantic, mm. no question. No question. Um, it's, and it's not just sort of the name brand and the identity. It's the conference. With all due respect to what you guys were just talking about with the NIT and the uh, you know, uh, and, and what's going on there? Uh, yeah, there's there's no doubt about it. And uh, I thought UConn in January was the best team in the country, mm-hmm. um, early January. But um, things happen, and injuries, and just the peaks and valleys of a uh, of a regular season in the era of parity uh, caught up to them a little bit, and they regrouped, and they're just kicking everybody's ass right now. So you got to respect that. Chris, a lot of people are saying, you know, why can't Gonzaga get over the hump? What's going on with them? But if, if you look at what they were looking like in, in early season, even non-conference, in the Phil Knight Invitational, they didn't look that good. They got destroyed by Purdue. You could kind of see that they were going to have to run through Drew Timmy the entire time. Their guard play was very suspect, and defensively they were horrible. Do you feel like Gonzaga actually overperformed this year? Way overperformed, way overperformed. I, I watched them in November at the Phil Knight thing. I totally agree with you. Um, it's stunning that they were in the position they were. Just a remarkable win against UCLA. You know, it's funny with all the crazy results of Saturday and Sunday. It's almost like people people haven't even aren't even considering what they saw on Thursday night with Gonzaga and UCLA in that game and it just seems like it was eons ago i i, I there that is not your dad's gonzaga it's not your uncle's gonzaga they weren't nearly as good as they have been in the past and to think that they were uh you know they were playing a game for a final four berth is is uh is amazing and i i guess maybe spoiled you know when you when you achieve to a certain level on a regular basis as they have i mean obviously it's a great program and mark few just gets it done year in year out but um to be where they were with that collection of guys was really impressive chris going back to uconn they do look like the best team obviously left right now they're five and a half point favorites against miami how do you think miami matches up with them because i don't think anybody saw them making this run even though you know they probably were the best team in the acc duke got hot at the right time but how do you think they match up miami uh defensively against uconn yeah, you know, it's funny. I don't think they match up very well at all with mm-hmm. UConn, but they haven't matched up very well with the last couple of teams they played. I I really like Texas in that game against them. Um, they're just – they figure it out. I, I love the fact that they've got – you know, they're a guard-heavy team, guard-dominant team. And in the second half, they sort of put the three-point shot in their back pocket. Uh, everything was was 15 feet and in, and they played sort of old school. We haven't seen that style in some time. It, you know, everything is so metrics-based at this point in time. Either you're shooting threes or you're shooting layups. And Miami completely, you know, just burnt that down to the ground. They they were – I thought they were really impressive in their resourcefulness, you know. I mean, the fact that they, um, they, they didn't play well early um, – 
Texas was shooting the lights out of the ball for you know uh, for the first thirty minutes of the game, but they weathered that and they sort of figured a way. And and you have to respect that. It just it feels like they've got that thing, you know, that you see the NCAA tournament every year. Somebody you know sort of hits the scene where you you don't know how to describe it. You just know that they've got it, and Miami seems to have it right now. I'm glad that you brought up Texas. The first half of that game, I mean, all season long, they'd only lost two games since early February. I thought that they were going to end up at least getting to the national title game. But do you think they made the right choice? I think that they kind of had to do it after losing Chris Beard and the run they went on with Rodney Terry. But do you think that's the right choice, uh, naming him the head coach? Oh, absolutely. And I, my guess is he had that deal in his back pocket, yeah. you know, during the tournament. Um I felt badly, you know, I thought Marcus Carr was really the X factor in this tournament, and I wonder if he didn't get a little a little damaged in that last game, uh, you know, that play at half court when he went to uh, collect the long, loose ball. And uh, it was a great game. I mean, this has been a tournament for the ages. Every time I, I sit down and I think, you know, I yell, watch this, watch this, watch this, something else happens, you know, and uh, – it's, it has been just incredible, the sort of the string of results and games and turns and uh, that we've seen over the last two or three weeks. Crazy. Talking to Chris Naki, BetMGM tonight. Uh, I'm with you on Florida Atlanta being the biggest surprise. I think most people would feel that way, even though they're now a 35-win team. I mean, look, it's just be honest. They, they weren't a name anybody was talking about to get even to maybe the Sweet 16 for the most part. But what interests me the most about them, I, they're a fourth-quarter team. And when I say fourth-quarter, I mean like the last 10 minutes – of all four of their games, they've outscored teams by a combined 98-66. to 66. They're out-rebounding everybody, and they're the smallest team in the country. They doubled up Kansas State on the boards. Uh, is that, like, when you see a team like this, obviously they're good. To win 35 games, you have to be a talented team. But is some of that just, like, the, especially the rebounding, is that just effort more than anything? Because you talk about size, but you got to be smart sometimes. It's rebounding angles they just there's something about this team that when you watch it you're like it doesn't add up to doing what they're doing yet they're doing everything and what i feel like is above any expectation yeah good point nick and one of the things that that they've clearly been schooled upon is a listen we've got like six or seven guys who are all six five they're all kind of the same player and then you get the big Ruski inside yep. you know vlad who's, who's who's playing quite well right now you know so you know, you know your biggest your biggest weakness is at least when you line up is what you see on the backboards. And to that point, I, I think one of their most impressive uh, second halves, and I agree with you, the second halves have been really dramatic, and the swings have been crazy. Is what they did against Tennessee, a big, strong, physical Tennessee front line, and they were somehow able to completely change the direction of that game. And at the end of the game. You're talking about FAU's offensive rebounding and not Tennessee's, and and that to me is telling. It's one of those things where they, uh, to me, they have been drilled, and, and and it's been pounded inside of them that hey, here's where we need to make sure we're doing it every single night, and the backboards for them with that size is where they've they've you know they've been hounded about that this has to be better. We have to do it all the time, and it has to be everybody. And damn if it hasn't been everybody. I mean, just collectively, what a performance by this team. Yeah, I'm curious, Chris, what you have to say about the San Diego State team because I was actually live watching that Creighton-San Diego State game and Darian Trammell picking up guys half or at full court pretty much the entire game, 
disrupting Nemhard, disrupting every player that they can. They had to have Kalkbrenner come in and set screens in the backcourt. What do you what do you think this game we're in for? I love Tramel and Tramel. You know, people, uh, people I think lose sight of the fact that in the uh, round of sixteen game, he took a knee to the thigh and really struggled in the first half of that game. He was really hobbled. He came back in that Creighton game and he was just fierce. Uh, I saw I saw them play a bunch this year. Uh, that is a great defensive team. I actually like them against Florida Atlantic in this game. I just think their defense travels. Uh, they're they're relentless. They're a bunch of old men. I mean, they just uh, they will pound you into submission. And uh, I I just I, I love the way they play. The other thing is they won't let the score get out of the 60s. This mm-hmm. game has to be at 65-60 written all over it. And uh, I don't think they're going to let Florida State get out on the run like they've been able to do in some of their games. I, I'm totally impressed by by the D that San Diego State has brought to the tournament. And it's game after game after game. They really haven't taken any halves off. Uh, they've been very, very consistent on that. Uh, Chris, your thoughts? Utah Valley coach Mark Madsen, it was a really good season for them. They won the WAC championship this season. Now he gets the job at Cal. That's a tough job. Do you think he could turn things around there? You know, like how long would that take? Well, that is a that's a great okay, great question. First of all, Cal is a you know top notch university. They they're just it's an athletic department in disarray. Um, Madsen is kind of weird because obviously he's one of Stanford's favorite sons, you know, right? And uh, arch rival to Cal. Yeah. And it, there, there are all sorts of levels to this year. He got completely screwed by his league this year by the WAC and the way they award those WAC points, which appropriately named. And, and he should have been, you know, they should have been league champion all the way around and in the NCAA tournament, tournament as opposed to the NIT. But he's a really good coach. He's got a great handle. I don't know, man. I, that just that program just seems lost. Uh, Cal does, and I, it's it's a shame because it's a you know it's a it's a great university in a great part of town, great uh, great part of the country. Great weather. There's a lot to like about it. Um, it it's going to take a pretty strong guy to resurrect that program. Chris, we talk about teams in disarray. Oregon just doesn't feel like they have it. Five star recruits come. They stay a year and they leave. Dana Altman just said, I think yesterday or two days ago, if it's me, then maybe it's me. (laughs) What is your take on the future of Dana Altman? Because X's and O's wise, you you can't deny what he's done. Success wise, you can't deny what he's done. But there's something that's not resonating with players. I, I and he said something after the last game that they played, where he was kind of bitching about the number of fans in the in the crowd. Right? He said, mm-hmm. if there are thirty three hundred people here for uh, you know for a postseason game, then there's a problem. And to me, that's a guy who's sort of talking his way out of a job. And you know, he is a great coach. He's been a great coach everywhere he's been. Um, but you know what? They all. And they they all have shelf lives, <laughs> and maybe he just feels like uh, it, it's not working, and he needs to change the scenery. Uh, but to me, the fact that he would, you know, John Thompson used to say, you know, you can't if you continually blow yourself, people are going to start to believe you, you know. And so if he continually says maybe it's me, maybe it's something I'm doing, then people are going to start to buy into that, and. Uh, 
You know, uh, Dana Altman will ha- never have a problem getting hired. He's a very well-respected guy, very well-liked guy as well. You know, it sounds like somebody that's almost trying to push their way out. Like, fine, exactly. if you don't like me, I'll just leave and go somewhere else. I can exactly. get a job anywhere exactly. I want to go. Yep. Feels like it to me. All right, got about um, 90 seconds left here. I want to look at most outstanding player odds real quick with you. Just some names that you might think would be worth betting on because at this point now you can get better value if you think a team is going to win the national title and just bet on who you think is going to win most outstanding player. Adamas Sanogo's 2-1 to one, along with Jordan Hawkins. Obviously, UConn is the favorite. Jordan Miller, Miami, comes in next at 8-1. to one. Former George Mason Patriot. My George Mason Patriots, by the way. Love to see it. Anybody out there that you think is, is worth looking at as a potential to win the most outstanding player for the Final Four? You, you know, if FAU gets to the finals, uh, Davis might be a guy who would do that. Um, I would think that, uh, you know, I think you're probably the, the easiest bets would be on the Connecticut guys. That's why I'd stay away from them. I, I, I still think that uh, Isaiah Wong mm-hmm. has a chance for Miami. And I, you know, I, I told you earlier, I, while I don't like Miami's matchup against UConn, I didn't like their matchup in the last two rounds. So they just figure it out. Larinaga is a Hall of Fame-level coach. And if they get to the finals, they're, I think they'll beat either one, San Diego State or FAU. And then you, you're talking about one of the Hurricanes being the, you know, the, the most valuable player of the Final Four. So, yeah, I, I think Wong is probably worth uh, – you know, worth worth a play, and uh, maybe even pack. Uh, you know, but I I would I think Wong is the is the reigning ACC Player of the Year as your guy. All right, he's sitting there at twelve to one. Nigel Pack is fourteen to one. Davis twelve to one too. So yeah, a little more value than getting guys at two to one with Sonogo, yeah. of course. But it depends exactly. on. We got to win two more games for that to happen. Chris Naki, always love talking to you. Thanks for coming on with us, man. Thanks, Chris. All right, guys. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Yeah, that's really one of the best things to do, right? You just got to sit there at this point now and go. You're not betting on UConn, but minus one twenty five or whatever. It is. I mean. Ken, but oh my what's God. The point? I think I think Miami is foul? going to beat UConn, you guys. We'll talk about foul? this a little I, bit uh, later on. No. Just see, oh, don't say that, please. Oh seems God. way too easy. It's bet MGM tonight. Yeah,